Hello and welcome to podcast three of Hatching the Future. Um, really exciting one this week. Um, Simon and Fred here, obviously from Hatch, but um, we also have David here, who is one of the co-founders of one of our most exciting uh, portfolio companies. Hello, David. Hello. Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> no problem. We should say that, right? We should say that. But very, very, very um, interesting day because what we want to do as part of this kind of commitment that we've made to kind of throwing the covers off the world of uh, a startup fundraising really is to kind of get into the businesses that we've invested in and really understand from the inside what that journey looks like, why they made the decisions that they did, you know, i.e. to fundraise all and all that kind of good stuff. So, but kind of before we get into that and before we talk about, you know, what Poplar is and, you know, where they're going, it, I think it'd be quite interesting to hear it from, you know, your mouth, you know, the horse's mouth, so to speak, really, David, and kind of give us a bit of an overview of, you know, what Poplar is, where you've come from, where you're going to go, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so we launched Poplar in September 2018 in London, um, and we provide AR campaigns on demand, AR being augmented reality. So yeah, important to make that <laughs> distinction. Because that, that's, that's an interesting point, isn't there? Because there's obviously there's AR, VR, yeah. you know, people talk about mixed reality. Maybe, yeah. do you want to yeah, kind of sometimes. Yeah, that? so AR is about um, overlaying virtual information through a mobile phone. Uh, yeah. screen so on top of a real environment versus VR which is actually all virtual so typically for VR you use headsets like Oculus Quest or other yeah. and everything would be virtual whereas for AR you can use your mobile phone and you can see um, some data so like, you do, like you use every day with Snapchat exactly yeah, yeah. selfie on Snapchat or Instagram yeah. or product uh, visualization or other types yeah very good. So obviously we came in quite early. I think at the, when we started talking, you were very much at kind of MVP stage. I think with a you know a, a grand plan. How, where did that idea originally come from? And you know, talk to me a little bit about you know what the inspiration was for Poplar. Sure. So to talk about that, talk about my career a little bit. In a nutshell, I started 17 years ago in Hollywood, um, producing movies, and um, and then worked for some pioneers in media and technology like Netflix. Uh, Daily Motion and YouTube, and so that was my last job. I was at YouTube, Google for um, six years, from 2012 to 2018, and um, I really saw the transformation of the media, TV, film industry yeah. from being very complex for people to, you know, to produce movies. They needed expensive kit and crews and whatnot. To now a commoditized sort of industry where people with an iPhone can record a short video, upload it to Instagram, and become an influencer or start making money, work yeah, with brands. Yeah. So at YouTube, I was building and running YouTube Studios, what we call YouTube Spaces, yeah. throughout Europe, Middle East, Africa. And I was working closely with content creators, independent content creators, who were launching YouTube channels and started making money by collaborating with brands and whatnot. And um, I identified early on that AR were sort of the next you know, piece of format that would allow for interactive storytelling and, and content. So were you always interested in that kind of what's next? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, right. And we started in the YouTube spaces where you start already dabbling with AR and VR, MR. So we had like the Gorillaz, the music band that came through and we did a live uh, VR feed with them. We had a dance company who did sort of VR production. So I was really curious about that. and I could see how we always said that YouTube was more interactive than watching TV because you're just passively sitting on a couch versus YouTube, you can start leaning in and interacting with content. But actually, that's not really, it's still a one way piece yeah. of information. Yeah. You're still, you're leaving comments under a video, but you're not really interacting with content. For the first time, AR is allowing you to visually touch and interact with content through computer vision and, and the use of your mobile phone. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was super exciting to me. And I could see as how today it's pretty complex. So it requires creators that have uh, coding skills and 3D mm. modeling skills. Um, and there are a lot of big agencies that charge a lot of money to create that content. Yeah. But I could see how this can change and be sort of commoditized and democratized the same way that video has and could supersede video. Um, so I was excited to launch Poplar and work with independent AR content creators, freelancers, small agencies, and help brands create AR content affordably, quickly, um, and easily through our platform. So yeah, and then that's kind of the point, I guess, that we met for the first time. So why, why, what was the decision-making process for going, okay, well, look, because we, we know, we're sure that you could have launched an agency-style business that did very well, thank you very much, you know, you work four days a week, you know, you've got a nice team, you make some nice money, versus having this big vision about actually we want to really be at the kind of forefront of whatever happens in AR, VR and kind of be the marketplace and the community in that space, which is obviously more demanding. You know, we know that you're working seven days a week, we see it every day. Um, what, what, what pushed you down that route versus making, you know, taking the easy lifestyle business? And obviously, because obviously then you have to go and raise money, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I left a really fun, well-paid job at Google and, yeah. and decided to launch the company and pay myself 15% of what I used to make. And yeah. so definitely a change of lifestyle. You know, the first thing is, um, is launching a platform first and foremost and not an agency because we work with creators from all around the world. Um, and because now it's so easy to launch websites and, and build um, platforms with the various tools that exist, like WordPress and others. Uh, we found a great way to connect with creators out there, but also to sort of speed up the process, the creation process on the, on the brand side. So we do have account managed premium service where we ha you know, work closely with, right. um, with yeah. brands on sort of an agency style, but we're also looking now to um, accelerate that and scale the, the activity. And we've actually just launched a self-service yeah. um, to build your own AR campaign where people can just come onto our website and develop their own campaign and be guided through. There's a lot of education needed still in mm -hmm. the industry. It's early days. People don't really understand AR. They don't know how to work with creators and, or identify them. They don't know what platforms to deploy AR experiences on because you can do social media. You can do your own app. Yeah. You can do a web-based browser. I was going to ask, what sort of stuff are people creating at the mm -hmm. moment on that platform? Right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll guide through uh, that process on the platform using that, that flow. And um, right now, the, the definitely the mainstream demand, I, I'll say, would be for social media because um, Snapchat's been around for a while and they yeah. pioneer sort of the AR selfies that are out there. Instagram's now launched their own um, AR tool, so you can use Lens Studio for Snapchat and Spark AR for Facebook and Instagram to create your own effects. So anyone now can download those software studios for free and create their own effects. I mean, you do require still some coding skills yeah. and, and 3, 3D modeling to do that. Good so, to play um, with that then, actually. Yeah, but it's getting democratized. So that's uh, a lot of the demand that we get for brands for Christmas and Thanksgiving and other occasions, opportunities. They want to promote music artists, some fashion brands want to promote you know, their brand and raise the awareness. But we also do a lot of product visualization, both yeah. on social media, but also what we call web AR, which is mobile browsers. So in Safari and Chrome directly without needing to download any application. Yeah. You can visualize a bag, a car, a computer, uh, you know, a coffee machine or, or whatever. You can put it on your table in real size, you can change the color, and then you can buy it directly from them. So you could obviously see that the, the brands um, and on the demand side were, were looking for this sort of stuff. What, what came first? Was it the realization that the demand was there or the 
this kind of the size of the opportunity that you could see before you that ultimately pushed you towards funding? Yeah, I guess it's both, right? Yeah. Um, so we saw the demand already on social media. We saw that there are over a billion phones that are compatible yeah. with AR. We saw Google and Apple investive and in, investing massively into AR kit, AR core, and functionalities. And we saw a lot of tools available to create AR experiences that are getting simpler. So that was a positive sign that you know there is investment in the creation on the creation side. Mm. We saw growing demand from brands, and we've been generating revenue now for a year with top advertisers out there. Yeah. Um, you know, the next step is how does how does it transfer from innovation to actually sort of recurrent um, buys from from these companies, and how does it supersede video display advertising, for example, or yeah. marketing? Because we are seeing seeing bigger engagement times. And, yeah, and we are seeing ROI, but we are still building case studies and, and communicating that back to the industry. So we, yeah, and that happens. That will bit. drive more adoption. So yeah, so let, let, let's take it back a stage then to you know and, and really focusing on that fundraising thing because I know you know one of the focuses of this kind of particular podcast is really helping people understand that decision making process. So remind the listeners of what stage you were at in the development process of the business, um, particularly I guess on the platform side and the kind of how you came to the valuation you came to and what your what your thoughts and fears were about you know coming to people like us and going right can we have hundreds of thousands of pounds to do this idea that's in my head yeah so when we launched we were incubated um by a founders factory and so we were supported for six months through that process um it's something that was good for me it doesn't necessarily you know it's not necessarily good for everybody but it helped us build internally with a smaller team. So there was three of us in the beginning, myself, the CTO, Lori, and then uh, we had a community manager. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, it was a lot of learning and testing and, and running pilots. So we just built the premise of our MVP, I would say, that enabled us already to post briefs on the platform and to get uh, creators to sign up and see those briefs. And, and that, that was the core of it and what we wanted to test. We knew that we had to fundraise as the next step because we wanted to hire more developers, basically. Right. Um, we knew the platform was useful, uh, but we just needed to develop more features yeah. on that platform. And we wanted to develop this self-service for brands to be able to come on, not just the big ones that have a lot of budget, and you know that's no problem, we can have an account manager talk to them, yeah. but we also want smaller brands, SMEs and others to come in and, and use us, so that means we have to decrease the price. And we have to automate that a little bit more. Yeah, and, and that right is where you saw the ultimate long-term opportunity and yeah, value exactly, in, yeah. in the so smaller. So we knew we wanted to hire, you know, a couple of salespeople and then a few developers to accelerate the product build. Um, the CTO was really the only one at the time that was coding, and you know, he also needed to develop the roadmap with me and, and have product vision and <laughs> sleep. Yeah. So, um, so that was the core reason for for fundraising. Yeah, and, and so you did that. You you know you, you went into you know fundraising mode. How easy did you find that process? And it was hard for sure. Yeah, it was humbling as well, right? Yeah. Um, whatever experience I might have before, whether I'm just starting up as a twenty three year old or whether I'm you know my age mid age, I would say. Yeah. With experience in big companies, yeah. uh, it's humbling because you're pitching with with zero sort of credit. So yeah. all you have is. Um, some of the pilots that you've run, you have your vision, um, you have your story and trying to communicate that to, to the investor because I know they're looking at the founding team really closely, especially yeah. at that early stage. Um, and then just trying to, to make them feel how excited you are about what you're doing. So it's, it's super tiring because you have to pitch <laughs> over and over again. 
but I really love it. And especially being in an early industry like AR, yeah. for me, there's a big sort of evangelization part of it where I can sort of communicate that big vision about AR and how it's going to transform the world yeah, in the next absolutely. few years. And I guess you find that turns investors on in many respects yeah. versus trying to sell some idea in healthcare or something. So yeah, that, that all sounds good. So just remind us, how much did you raise and what, what have you done with that so far? So we've raised uh, 150,000 pounds from the incubator early yeah. on, and then a further half a million pounds um, from Hatch and some yeah. other VCs and business angels yeah. as a pre-seed. And then we're looking to our, our next round. Because obviously we were just talking before this, you know, we, we had a, your monthly board and, you know, you're starting to think now, aren't you, about actually going to forward to a proper kind of seed round. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And that, I guess, is the whole idea of that, is that it will then accelerate this vision. Now it's starting to gather momentum and, yeah. you know, as we've just seen, actually start earning some revenue as well, which yeah. is quite exciting. So that, that's really good background. Thank you. I think what would be really interesting now is to kind of start to um, uh, try to understand the marketplace a little bit more from both from a, the opportunity for the creator, because like you say, it's a nascent industry, there's lots of opportunity for everybody potentially. So some people listening to this might be going, do you know what, I can code a bit, this sounds really exciting. Where on earth do I go to learn to create this stuff? So you could go to poplar.studio. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Which is uh, our URL, so yeah. poplar.studio. We have a few webinars that we do with creators themselves, we have documentation, um, we have a sort of a white paper, but um, Mostly, you know, you need some 3D modeling skills at present, but you can also collaborate with people. You can also source 3D models from uh, libraries like Sketchfab and Poly and, yeah. and other places. So if you don't have 3D modeling skills, there are ways to, to do that as well. Okay. I think a lot of the, the Facebooks and Snapchats have now those free pieces of software, and then they have templates on them. Yeah. So you could start playing around with doing a selfie okay. and, and have putting some texture, or like you can upload an image, it has to be free of use. Be careful with that. Um, and then start and publishing your own effects. Uh, there's a review process, of course. You have to do respect their guidelines. And I guess there's value in joining your community, is there? Yeah, so, f- I mean, for us, you know, it is about monetizing your skills. Yeah. So we do um, upscale a lot of creators because we have a community that can chat to each other. So yeah. a lot of them will exchange pieces of code or they'll talk about their yeah, experience. Cool. They'll ask um, questions about how to do something. So they do upscale. We have a lot of people that went from 3D modeling to AR development, uh-huh. thanks to us. We have a lot of people who've recruited a few more um, people and formed small agencies. So that's been really positive. But mostly it's about monetizing their skills wherever they are. If they don't have access to brands, we will um, introduce them to brief opportunities from our clients. So, you know, there's definite value then, I guess, as there has always been in every kind of community, there's value in joining that community and they can do that. If you're moving to the other side, so you're a business or you're a brand and you're hearing about all this stuff, you're playing with Snapchat every day and you're thinking how do we get involved mm-hmm. in you know, doing some of these filters, et cetera, et cetera. Are there, are there particular industries where you're seeing that this is taking off quicker than others and, or, and so therefore if you're in those industries, should you be thinking more about doing this now? And that kind of whole point about time. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you step back and look at XR, so VR and AR, VR, I would say, has taken off in terms of um, enterprise and gaming are sectors where, where it's really taken off. On the AR side, um, it, it'll be also the enterprise side of training. So a lot of fa- factories and people like that are using now HoloLens and eyewear yeah. to start training their workers. And I saw it. That. I think it was Anglian Water. I went to a... Yeah, um, X-Rail. I mean, yeah, they were doing... You know, for design and, and whatnot. Yeah. Also for healthcare, so in surgeries... 
um, using computer vision to sort of um, use MRIs and CT scans to actually be more accurate when you're operating on right. someone uh, than you would if you actually opened them, them up. And so there's a lot of really cool applications. On the consumer side, our field, which is uh, marketing advertising, is yeah. really where it's taken off. Yeah. And that's because of the mainstream adoption of things like uh, social media and, and other types of applications. And are you seeing any particular industries in that kind of marketing advertising sure. space being quicker? Yeah, definitely uh, fashion beauty, I would say, with makeup uh, try-ons where you can change your hair color yeah. and, you, and use makeup on your face. Uh, things like raising brand awareness for musicians um, or even for consumer goods. So visualizing furniture in, in your living room. Because IKEA have done some of that, haven't they? IKEA, yeah, a lot of brands. We, we work with Speedo, where we did a retail experience where people can try on different swimming goggles, not bathing right. suits. It's a joke I get a lot <laughs> uh, of. Um, so, yeah, fashion, retail, consumer goods is uh, a very big field for, for AR and commerce. Yeah, okay. So, you're in, one of those, you're in one of those industries. You're an in-house marketer, whatever, and, you know, you're hearing what you're saying about, you know, these, these industries already going first. How, how do you how do you try and convince those people above you that this is the right thing to invest in now? Um, or are you seeing yeah. any of that kind of from your kind of existing? Yeah, so we were building case studies of a lot of the campaigns that have, we have enabled through Poplar. Yeah. For all these brands, so we've seen engagement times of seventy five seconds um, that are longer than what video can provide. Um, and I know because I've been in the video industry, so I can tell how it's a much more engaging format than video has been before. Yeah. We're seeing you know, brand lift and we're seeing translation to sales as well for some of our clients, um, where you can promote a game through AR or a movie or other, and we're seeing people actually downloading an app or buying tickets or whatnot. So, Because didn't have you done some stuff, quite interesting stuff in gambling and those kind of areas? William Hill we worked with as well, yeah. No, um, no. King Games, um, Speedo again, they've seen Uplift. Yeah. So there's a lot of data that we are starting to use and, and case studies to convince people that it's worth an investment and the ROI is there. And I guess that is part of the education piece that you kind of talked about earlier because you're in something that's so early. I guess a big part of what you do is rather than selling, it's educating, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we are seeing nine out of 10 advertisers planning on using AR now in their campaigns. So wow. quite big numbers um, as, as we progress and we know that there are exciting 3D advertising formats coming out in next year or so. So that's the future of advertising as well, is, is going from display and video into more 3D um, objects that you can look around and resize and also the AR version where you can put it on your table or on your floor and kind of like really have a feel for the product. Because that's super interesting, isn't it? It's like, you know, all these wall gardens, so think about Google and Facebook and everybody that owns most of the advertising inventory. How are they thinking? And I know you obviously can only say so much about what you know is happening in the industry. But how are they thinking about how they revolutionise yeah. that kind of ad format? Because is it going to be as simple as, you know, we're in the space that you used to see video that you're going to see AR? Or is it going to be more immersive than that somehow? I think it's going to be all of that. I mean, they all have different reasons, I think. Apple is all about hardware. So they have to sell hardware, they have to offer advanced functionalities and yeah. uh, for them it's about having a camera that's super powerful and that you know takes you to magical places. For Facebook it's very much about social connection and allowing sort of shareable experiences that include gaming and, and other types of experiences that you can have with your friends in AR. For Google it's, it's very much about search and yeah. right now search has been text, it's translated to voice next with you know, yeah. Google Voice and Alexa from Amazon. Yeah. The next piece of search is going to be visual. 
So already they have Google Lens, which you can use on your phone, and Absolutely. you can scan someone's shoe and find out where they, you know, where to buy them. Yeah. You can scan a plant, and they'll tell you what plant it is. So you already have very advanced functionalities based on AI. Um, that is really important to Google because they they'll know that when you have those wearables, those glasses, which everyone is rumored to come out in the next three years. Yeah. You won't need to point your phone uncomfortably around you as you walk and bump to people. <laughs> You'll actually be wearing these devices that will automatically recognize things around you. And that has ramifications not only for search and advertising, but also tourism, transportation, and, you know, education, education, like everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So pretty transformation. You know, clearly they're making some big bets, you know, in, in those really big advertising businesses about how and where this takes you know, takes them next, I guess. So in your view, how, how would you prepare um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a business or a, or a marketing function for that? Is it, because you, there is an, there's, what I'm trying to get at, there's an element here, isn't there, about how you need to be creative to a degree about almost thinking where this could take, where this might go next, because you're right, you know, Google Lens, etc., is there. You know, you can see, um, you know, mixed reality being very easy to integrate into that. How do you brainstorm about how I think there's different components. And what I learned early on launching this company is you can't do everything. Yeah. And I think that's something that probably founders have a hard time with. Yeah. Because you have this grand vision. You know, I could say I want to transform the world through AR, which is my vision. But I can do healthcare and education. And I've decided I, sh- I want to focus on marketing advertising right. as the first thing. And then as a player, you can be in the hardware sector. You can develop SDKs and you know be sort of a third-party piece of tech. That so you're an, SD, to an SDK is a, a software development kit. So you're going to enable developers and other people to use your piece of technology to develop stuff. And we've decided not to do that. So you know we're going to be an enabler for content creation with Poplar, and that's what we're focusing on. We're solving that issue of of content creation being expensive and slow and hard to produce. And we're helping brands and companies produce AR content um, by enabling a community of AR creators out there to, to be matched. To yeah, them. And, and it also equally creates challenges for you and your strategy, doesn't it? Because this market is moving, evolving, growing, changing yeah. all the time. How, how are you prioritizing what you do next and first? And all Yeah, I think it's definitely, even though you're not doing everything, is to keep an eye out for the big players and seeing where they're investing especially in your marketing advertising industry, in my case. Yeah. Um, and then it's sort of trying to partner as well. I think partnership is one of the key things for any startup, um, especially when it's an early industry and you're piloting stuff uh, and it's not mainstream, you want to partner with the big guys. So having conversations with Snapchat who we're partner with or Instagram or Facebook or Google or, or people like that and allowing us to pilot things with them and understanding where it's going to be taking off and becoming sort of a mainstream vendor for them. Yeah, stay close to those that are creating and, you know, the creators and the, you know, everybody else in the industry. Yeah, and we found out that a lot of our competitors, might they be agencies or might they be other tech companies, we actually can also collaborate with at this stage by having them outsource content production to us. Sounds makes sense. So where do you see then? So you know, if, if we if we grow this grow this vision out for the next three years, you know, we're sat here in three years' time, redoing hatching the future zero zero three thousand and eight or whatever the podcast episode will be by then. What where do you see what 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 will be the reality in kind of mixed reality? Yeah, I mean, I think eyewear will be out by then, and people will um, be able to have access to these rich experiences um, automatically wherever they are through computer vision. Yeah. And so there's going to be a huge demand for AR content. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so we'll be sort of the leader. We are already leaders in AR marketing and advertising. Yeah. Um, but we'll be providing that content creation pipe for a lot of the players out there who want to deliver AR content. Um, and hopefully reach out beyond AR um, marketing advertising into sort of healthcare education and, and other industries. And obviously to do that, you're going to need, you know, more to raise more money, aren't you? So what, you know, and we, we, again, we've talked about this earlier, but what, you know, what's your thought process for how many more rounds you might need to go? Do you plan that far ahead, you know, as, as you're <laughs> developing this vision within the business? Yeah, you have to, um, and you have to sell this big vision and, and think about the future. But it is also iterative, so we, we always learn and sort of iterate from the process that we're on now. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're going to waste time working on things that are not going to be relevant for another two or three years. But we are thinking about our next round, and that'll be two or three million dollars. Um, that will enable us to hire more developers and provide more functionalities just for what we're doing, which is enabling AR campaigns on demand in marketing advertising. But we, we will look at Series A hopefully the year after and, and keep sort of hopefully partner with big players out there. And that could be but, an exit strategy for us. Yeah, and your view always, because obviously when you do that, you know, you, you give away a little bit, a, pit, a little piece of your equity every time. So is your view, I guess, then that you'd rather be have a small part of something really big yeah, than a big part yeah. of something small? Yeah, definitely. That's it. It's definitely about how I can delegate a lot of the stuff I'm doing to other people that I hire and building a culture where people are happy and sort of um, efficient and we release and kind of adhere to our vision without burning out myself. <laughs> and that's more valuable to me than money. Um, yeah. And also just grabbing the right opportunities at the right time and having momentum and well, this thing grows. hiring the right people, yeah. Very good. Well, look, really appreciate that. And I think, you know, a very quick um, soundbite into the, the, you know, the, a world that we could t- literally talk about all day. Um, but one we will come back and we'll continue to chat throughout the kind of episodes to kind of follow this journey. But for now, I think really good intro to Poplar. Thank you. Before we go, though, we do have what we call our quick fire nine, oh, just geez. to kind of leave you with that we like to ask all founders. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so these are hot off the press, single or as few words as possible, unlike the uh, Brexit debate or the parliamentary debate last night, if you listen to it. Different um, question altogether. So very quickly, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I'd say when I left my job to not to bank on this being a quick exit and this is a three to five year sort of investment yeah okay makes sense so, and then that, that changed what your own view on how long your runway was just being was. ready to, to jump and, and do this basically yeah and not quit you know a good job where I'm comfortable and secure for something that actually is completely unrealistic I think a lot of founders might have a tendency to do that yeah. So just knowing it's going to be hard work for a long a time. A long time. Yeah. Very good advice. Describe yourself as a teenager in three words. Uh, geek, for sure. So a lot of video games and <laughs> sci-fi movies. Makes sense. Uh, dreamer. Yeah. Um, and then curious. Just, yeah, moving around a lot and learning languages and whatnot. Very good. What's your biggest pet peeve? What annoys you the most? Mm, politics. <laughs> The end. In all kinds of uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, if you weren't in if you weren't in the industry that you're in, what what do you think? So, i.e., you weren't in you know this whole world yeah. of geekery. What do you think you would do? I think I'd be a psychologist, therapist, okay, or an architect, probably. Yeah, very good. If your house was on fire, what two things would you run back in to get? <laughs> so sad my phone and my computer <laughs> do you know what that's probably yeah, a really, it's really sad I think <laughs> uh, 
Um, who would who would play you in a movie of your life? That's a difficult one. I don't. I thought it'd be so pretentious to think about. <laughs> it's hard. Like, I don't it? think my my life is worth a movie. But uh, and you've been in that world. I don't want to answer that. That's too okay. Yeah. That's fair. We'll pass on that one. Um, if you had a spirit animal, what would it be? Or if you were an animal, are we playing Harry Potter now? <laughs> um, I think like a, an eagle, probably. Yeah, just same being, as my answer. Yeah, being really high and having a broad eye view, um, bird's eye view of everything. Very good. Um, if you had one superpower, what would it be? One super power. Uh, uh, see through people's thoughts. That's back to the therapist, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people are complicated to understand. I think you're right. It would make life much more simple, wouldn't it? Yeah. If a little more scary. And then the final one, and this is a big question. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? One. One item. One big I can't even duck. Say what you just said, one yeah. big duck. One big thing, yeah. Probably. What, because you think that the 100 would eventually... I mean, right you... now I'm flying a thousand fires. That's the founder's <laughs> life. Yeah, and true. It's, you know, it's exhausting, but it's super exciting. But yeah, you're a jack of all trades and you're doing like tons of things. Whereas if you're in a big corporation, you might do one big thing. So yeah. maybe I'm contradicting myself. But it is easier <laughs> finding one big thing. Yeah, that's very true. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, really, really good. And we say we'll continue to follow thanks the Thanks to Hatchventures, for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, let's see where we take it next week with uh, when we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the whole world of um, the jargon of VC and fundraising. So um, make sure you're listening uh, for that next episode. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.